so very good to have everyone out this morning. I was very brisk morning. And so it's just so good to see each and every one of you this morning. Um, this morning, uh, I was going to do a sermon on morning. And I had read some texts in Matthew 9, the, the verse that Sean had read for me. But then when I really got to reading, it's not really talking about morning there. And so we are going to do a study on fasting. On fasting. Uh, to us, this may seem a little strange because probably most of us, unless we're having blood work, as I had earlier this week, we don't usually fast. Um, but um, we're going to look at fasting. We're going to look at maybe why, why there would be a reason to fast. Um, if they were still fasting in the first, uh, first century church. And so this morning... I hope that it'll be beneficial to all of us because there's a lot in the Word of God about fasting. As Sean had read for us earlier today in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisee fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And so we can see here that the disciples of John are presenting the question to Jesus. They were fasting. The Pharisees fasted. Why were Jesus' disciples not fasting? Well, what is the purpose of a fast to the Lord? In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? And you spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And so we're going to come back to this verse later in our study this morning. But notice that a fast should be an affliction, a man afflicting his own soul. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. I'm going to go ahead and open my Bible. Because that will be the first area of our study this morning when we get to our, our four points. But in Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, here's going to be Jesus' response to them on that day. I skipped verse 15 purposely, but verse 16, Jesus is going to teach them in a parable or something that they could relate to. No man putteth a piece of new cloth into unto an old garment. And so when we, you were to patch an old garment, something that had been uh, used, um, and so now you have a hole in it, well, he says it would not be proper, appropriate, to put a new cloth. Why? For that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. And so what is Jesus saying? He says, when you put that new piece of garment into the old one, what's going to happen the first time that you wash that garment? It's going to shrink. That new piece will shrink. See, the old piece had already shrunk and aged. That new piece is going to shrink. And so when it shrinks, it's going to actually rip a bigger hole into that old garment. In verse, uh, in verse 17, Jesus says, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. And the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. Well, we we it's not glass bottles. Uh, they used um, 
want to say it's skins. And they would put the, the wine in skins. But wine will ferment. And so when that expansion takes place, if you were to put it into an old bottle and fill it up, and that fermentation would take up, that, that gas and stuff would have no place to go, and so it would shatter the old bottle. You would put it in a new bottle that had not been expanded yet. They put new wine in the new bottles so that both are not perished. Again, uh, preserved. Again, he's showing that it would not be appropriate. It would not be appropriate to put new wine in old bottles because the wine's going to cause that bottle to blow up and the wine would be of no use. Just as that garment, that as that new material would shrink, those stitchings would actually tear a bigger hole into your old garment. And so fasting is to be accompanied with appropriate reasons. I think this is what Jesus is trying to drive home to the disciples of John. One of the appropriate reasons would be for death. That's going to be our first point that we look at this morning. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 9.15. That's why I had skipped the verse. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn? as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast. As Jesus was there, and, and so we have to keep, keep in mind what, what's being said here. Jesus was the bridegroom. And when he died on the cross, then there would be a, a purpose of mourning. As we had looked in our scriptures this morning, that sadness... Have you not heard what has happened these days? That great sadness of Jesus, the Christ, being crucified. I want to go to John. This is what John the Baptist said of himself. John chapter 3, verse 29. Okay, I'll go, I'll go with verse 28. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. As they were trying to say that John was the Christ, he says, I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He was there to prepare a way for Christ. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. That's Christ. The bride being the church. But the friend of the bridegroom, that was John, which standeth and heareth him, Jesus, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Jesus, uh, John served a purpose. Remember John said many times that he would have to decrease because Christ had to increase. Well at this time when the disciples of John came they weren't disciples of Christ they were still disciples of John. The reason to be a disciple of John was because he was paving the way for, the, uh, for Christ. They were, truly should have been disciples of Christ. And so here we can see that uh, Jesus is saying that when he died, our Savior died, that fasting would be appropriate. What about King Saul and his sons in 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 31 
verses 12 and 13. I'm going to go back to verse 11. And when the inhabitants of... I probably shouldn't have. Jabesh Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul. All the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried him under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. And so here we can see mourning was made for the king Saul. And so we can see it was appropriate to mourn when leaders of nations have passed. Uh, I know when the president, we even today, will have a day of mourning. Uh, the, the last one that I can remember was President Reagan. Uh, they closed, all the national offices closed. There was that day of mourning. Then there was Jacob, the patriarch. In Genesis chapter 50, I'm going to start with verses 1 and 5. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. So for seventy days they mourned the loss of Jacob. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak. I pray you in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I died in my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. We had seen where the nation of, of, of Egypt had mourned for 70 days. But notice, when, when Joseph and his family get to that place to bury their father, in verse 10, and they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation, and he made a mourning, mourning for his father seven days. Now it doesn't say that they fasted, but this was a sore lamentation. It was a great lamentation. They were very upset, and so at this time, there was probably a fasting that took place. Just as we had seen where they fasted for seven days for King Saul. And so here we can see that during the loss of family members, it was appropriate to fast. Many times we'll see fasting accompanied with prayer. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. 
Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon tomorrow, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And so here we see where they sought the Lord's help. In, uh, they were seeking the Lord's help. And so there was a fast for the nation. The disciples of John in Luke chapter 5 verses 33. Luke chapter 5 verse 33. This is Luke's account of the questioning to Jesus. But notice in Matthew's account it didn't mention prayer. And they said unto him, Why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. Now if you'll notice the words these disciples were added there, the disciples of the Pharisees, it, that was added by man, the, the translators, and so it's italicized. And so it harmonizes very well with Matthew's account where it says the Pharisees often fasted. But the disciples of John were fasting and praying. Well, no doubt it, it was with the work of John. John's work was to pave the way to Christ. And so they were no doubt praying and fasting that that work would be a success. The church at Antioch in Acts chapter 13, they too fasted. But notice the church... The whole church came together to fast. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mananin, which had been brought up with Herod the patriarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And so, I, I take that back. It wasn't the whole church. It was these men mentioned in verse 1. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, from the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them on their way. Sent them away. And so, missionary work. There was a fasting that took place before the mission work. And so they prayed for the success of Barnabas and Saul. And they, they accompanied that with fasting. The churches at Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they, had, they believed. And so the appointing of elders... They, they presented them to the Lord and there was fasting and prayers made. And so we can see that when a, in, in the first thing with King Joseph, Jehoshaphat, it was the, the nation was seeking help because they were being attacked. On, uh, I quit, I accidentally have it, two A's up there, I apologize for that. Uh, Angie got on to me about my outlines and 
oh, there's an error there, so uh, my, my apologies. But uh, John's work, which would have been paving the way for Christ. The missionary work is that continuing of God's work. And then uh, the last point there, point D, with appointing elders, presenting them to the Lord. Uh, they were praying and, and for these men to lead the congregations in these, these cities, that they would do so appeasing, pleasing to God. And so we can see the importance of fasting with prayer when you're making very important decisions. And then we also see it husbands and wives in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're dealing with the marriage here. And you always have to keep in mind this chapter is, is, is you have to keep in mind verse 26. Um, I suppose that, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. So you keep it in context. What's going on? It's... it's it's great persecution in this chapter. But verse 5, notice what it says. Defraud ye not one, one the other, except it be with consent for a time. And so what does that mean? We'll go back to verse 4. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. And so that defrauding there would be holding back your, your body from your wife sexually. And Paul says, except it be with consent for a time. Well, what's that time? That you may give yourselves a what? Fasting and prayer. And come together again that Satan tempts you not for your incontinency. And so, uh, lack of self-control. If, if you withhold yourself for too long, it may be that the spouse will go outside the marriage to to um, meet the needs that they have. But notice that a valid reason for withholding oneself sexually from their spouse is for fasting and prayer. Point number three this morning will be repentance. Repentance. Nineveh, uh, Jonah. Uh, we, we did a very good study on hard sayings in the book of Jonah. But I want to go back there quickly. It's 1002, John chapter 1, verse. Two, when, when Jonah's given the command, Arise, go to Nineveh, that, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so we know that the city of Nineveh was a wicked, uh, wicked uh, city. It was of the Assyrians. It was a wicked nation. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. Oh, I'm not in the right chapter. I was like, man, I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing the whole book. Chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. My apologies. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed what? A fast. 
and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, what? Taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Fast. But let man and beast could be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way, that's repentance, and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And so they were repenting that God would repent from destroying them. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that it would do unto them and he did it not. And we, so we see here that a wicked nation was able to repent and not receive the wrath of God. Israel in Joel. In Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with what? Fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. And so here we can see God's nation was to come with repentance and fasting. But notice it was with mourning. I think that's very important. Their hearts needed to be turned back to God and bring in that godly sorrow. In Acts chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. Acts 9. Verses 8 and 9. When Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus, after he spoke with Christ, and saw arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. Remember, he was blinded. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. He fasted. It was that outward show of godly sorrow that we read about in the in Second uh, Corinthians, I believe it is, where Paul says that godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. Because once you repent of godly sorrow, you go back into the world and you will perish. Point number four this morning is with sincerity. And I think this really is what Jesus was driving home to the disciples of John. Why should my disciples uh, fast for no reason? They wouldn't be doing it with a sincere heart. It's very important as we always study with worshiping God that it's always with that sincere heart. The hypocrite. In Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon of the Mount, 
Remember what Jesus said about how the hypocrites would fast. In verses 16 through 18 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. Well, what did the hypocrites do? Of a sad countenance. Oh, I've been fasting. For they disfigure their faces, and so they would, they would cause it to look like they were in great pain, that they may appear on the men to fast. They weren't truly fasting. They wanted to have that appearance of fasting. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So how is Jesus going to tell uh, disciples of his to fast if you choose to fast? But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy hand and uh, wash thy face. Look like there's nothing going on. The fast is not between you and them. The fast is between you and the Lord. That thou appear not on the men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Our fast is not to be seen of men. Our fast is, is to serve a purpose. It is to afflict our soul to the Lord. They were not truly fasting. The Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee, this is when the two men went to the, the temple and prayed. You had the Pharisee and the publican. Well, look at the attitude of the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now let's see how religious he's going to make himself. I fast twice in the week. I give five tithes of all that I possess. And so he thought it made him more righteous. The church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In this chapter, we know we're dealing with the... Uh, very disgusting act that took place where the man had his father's wife. Notice in verse 1, it is reported commonly among you, among it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Notice what they were in uh, sinning by doing and you are puffed up. You're allowing it to take place and have not rather mourned that he that might have done this deed might be taken away from among you. Lack of church discipline. Church should have been mourning over their brother's fault. <clears throat> the church was to withdraw and to exercise a fast towards that erring brother. Verse 11. But now I have written on you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, that would be the Aaron Christian, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. And so they were to practice a fast towards that Aaron brother, but it was all to be done so that his soul may be saved. And now I want to come back to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 58. When we had talked about 
the the affliction to the soul. They were just fasting. They were just they were just fasting. They weren't trying to do anything better. Verses six through fourteen. We read verse five earlier. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thy health shall bring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasures, nor speaking thy own words, then shalt thou Delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the Lord, and feed thee with the inheritance of God, of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so, what was the nation of Israel? They were they were practicing a fast, but they were not practicing the law of the Lord. They were causing yokes to be on their brethren. They were not helping the poor. They were not helping the hungry. The Lord said, it will not be this way. I will not hearken on to your, your prayers to me because you have so many things you need to repent of. Fasting to be done with repentance first and then prayer. And then I want to look at King David when he lost his son. Second Samuel. I think this will be our last point this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child, 
that Uriah's wife bare unto David. Even though Uriah was dead, that 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 um, conceiving of that child was during the time that they were still married. This child was born out of wed was going to be born out of wedlock. And it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. He prayed to God. And David fasted. And went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth. But he would not. Neither did he eat bread with him. He was so sorrowful for what was happening to this child. That he was seeking God to please spare this child's life. Verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him. And he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself, harm himself? If we tell him that the child is dead. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Even with sincerity, there are repercussions for our sins that we will have to suffer. Why did the child have to suffer? Because of verse 14. How be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. The throne's not going to pass to this child. Just as when, when Abraham had um, Ishmael with Hagar the seed of promise was not going to a, a bondswoman the seed of promise was going to Sarai this child would not be the next king the comfort comes from verse 23 But now he is dead. 
Where should, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No. Everything that David had tried to do did not stop God from saying what he said he was going to do to that child. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. See, David knew that the child was not dead. That child went to his mom. David said, we will be reunited once again. We read it in the book of Job. When all his children died, and God gave him seven more children, but the Bible says it doubled everything he had. Those seven children were in heaven as well. Sincerity. But even with God, we may not get, even with a sincere heart and with repentance and with prayers, we, our prayers may not be answered the way we want them to be answered. Some things, there's repercussions for the things that we have done. And for, for David, it was the loss of that son. And in his other sons, there was a lot of wickedness that came. And it all originated from his sin with Bathsheba. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to become one. It starts by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must believe what you've heard. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, many, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. When you believe those things, you're going to realize that what you're doing is not what God would have you to do, and that's repenting. Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, Jesus says, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then you must confess him before men, that is the confession made unto salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt believe with thy heart, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in the water. That is to have your sins washed away. So many today will be, will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But yet they don't believe in the one true act of the resurrection. You have to experience this resurrection before you can experience the second resurrection. That is to be buried with him in waters to come in contact with his blood to have your sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. To crucify yourself with him and to raise out of that water as he raised from that tomb on that day, on the first day of that week. A new creature. Every Lord's Day we come around the Lord's table to remember his death. To bring great mourning. But God doesn't expect us to fast at that event. He has us to what? Take the emblems that remind us of that body that suffered on the cross and that blood that uh, flowed on that day. 
In Romans chapter 6, it says we are baptized into his death. At his death, the spear was put into his side and what flowed out? Blood and water. When we are baptized into his death, we are baptized into his blood to have that remission of our sins. We, are, we arise at new creature and then we are to walk in newness of life. We are to continue to live faithful until the end, Revelation 2.10, and he has promised to give us that crown of life. But God knows that man is weak and that we will have faults along the way and then that's why he has offered that second law of pardon that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, light he is faithful to forgive you of those sins continuously to cleanse us of those future faults as long as we come to him in prayer and with a true repentant heart and so if there's any today that have, have obeyed the gospel but perhaps uh, you have let sin enter back into your life. We can help you in any way if you'll come to the front as the better we sing the song of the